The Fable and Folly Network supports creators of exceptional audio stories, including the one you're listening to right now. If you love our shows, we want to hear from you. Complete our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey. This will help us learn more about you, what you like, what you'd like to hear more of, and how we can maintain an inclusive, safe atmosphere. As a thank you for your participation, we have extras and behind-the-scenes content from your favorite shows. Fans make the network what it is. Thanks for listening, and we can't wait to hear from you. Find our listener survey at fableandfolly.com slash survey today. Omniverse. Hey, this is Kat. And Jess. You know, Mother She Wrote is free to listen to, but it's not free to make. So please, consider supporting our work on Patreon. You'll get early ad-free episodes of this show and all the storytelling podcasts we create. Head to patreon.com forward slash Omniverse Media to chip in and join our community of world-saving wonderkind. Love you! I had this dream. And in the dream, my friend Doug said to me, Look, I know those Earthbound games are really cool and important pieces of media. I'd love to play them, but I don't think I'm ever going to get around to it. You talk about the games all the time. Maybe you could just do a podcast about them? And so my dream self thought, hmm, what if I did an episodic podcast that took listeners through the journey of each game in the Mother series, like a diary, but with contextual, cultural, and emotional analysis? Oh, you work even in your sleep. So anyone could experience these stories. But I don't think it's good to work too hard. And I need a co-host. Mm. So I wake up and and I, and, I, and I call my girlfriend and I tell her about the dream. It's like a diary about the Mother series. And you could call it Mother, she wrote. Welcome to Mother, She Wrote, a travelogue diary through three of the strangest, most thought-provoking, most heart-rending video games ever made. I'm Kat Blackard. And I'm Jessica Mudd. And you're a mother. I am. And we both live on Earth. And we both love video games. And therefore, we're uniquely qualified to unpack the Mother series, as it's called in Japan, or the Earthbound series, as it's called in English-speaking countries. A trilogy of role-playing games published by Nintendo, written by the enigmatic multidisciplinary artist Shigesato Itoi. Every episode, we're going to tell you a piece of that story, as it's lived by the characters and as we play it. And then, we'll peel back the layers and talk about the weird cultural references, the music, and what it all means. But not this episode. This is a place to start, like the part of a game where you name your characters and pick the color of your text windows. And your favorite food. Mine is pizza. Mine is also pizza. Or tacos. Or taco pizza. Or pizza tacos. But that's a delicious topic for after this recording session. So... Why is the Mother series so special? Jess, I am very glad you asked. Earthbound is the first postmodern video game. It's a role-playing game set in modern times, made at a time when all RPGs were medieval fantasy. It broke all the rules about the kinds of stories you could tell and what a video game should look and sound like. 
The Mother series addresses topics like queerness, late-stage capitalism, cults and groupthink, child abuse, breaking the fourth wall, police misconduct, environmental collapse, the profound power of kindness, homesickness, deadbeat fathers, corrupt politicians, chronic ailments, all in an irreverent sci-fi comedy. It is to video games what talking heads is to music. Genre-bending, uncompromisingly funky, and surreal pop art filled to the brim with as much poignant messaging as there is cartoon imagery. Wowza. So the Earthbound series. It's three games. One came out in the Nintendo in the 1980s, one came out in the Super Nintendo in the 1990s, and one came out on the Game Boy Advance in 2006. Three games, three decades, and only one of them came out in the United States. And I have to admit that my first exposure to any of the Earthbound characters was in the Super Smash Brothers series. When Super Smash Brothers, the original one, came out on the Nintendo 64, there was a character called Ness in it. And I would say his most distinguishing feature was his psi powers and his baseball bat. Yeah. Super Smash Brothers is, of course, a fighting game featuring characters from all across Nintendo's games. But even in that first game, where there were only a handful of characters, big ones like Mario and Pikachu, there was this one character from Earthbound. And (laughs) that's not the only thing, though. The Smash in Smash Brothers is likely a direct reference to the entire Mother series. In all three Mother games, when you're battling, you can deal a massively destructive Smash attack. And that's like Smash Bros' whole thing. And Earthbound and Smash Brothers were co-developed by HAL Laboratories, so none of that's probably a coincidence. Learning about Ness and Earthbound through Smash Brothers was a shared experience between you and a lot of people, Jess. Smash Brothers became one of Nintendo's biggest hits, but meanwhile, no one knew about Earthbound in the States. It was considered a massive flop. But the games were huge in Japan, so naturally... Ness was in Smash Brothers, and his appearance there was actually really important to developing the fan following for Earthbound because a bunch of people playing Smash Brothers thought, who is that, and eventually looked into it and found, much to their surprise, I assume, a very large cult following on the internet. It was at exactly the right time where young people were getting the internet and fan communities were growing, and the fan community for Earthbound became one of the most dedicated fan communities for anything to do with a Nintendo property. The people who did play this game loved it and had never seen anything like it before. Like we said, it's a role-playing game, but the fact that it takes place in modern time really set it apart from everything else. And the game for the Super Nintendo is extremely colorful and psychedelic and extremely strange. So if anybody did play it, it left a big mark. Its differences were also probably why people didn't bother to pick it up in the first place. But uh, if we're speaking to any audience members who are not familiar with the format of the games, like it is like a Final Fantasy game. You have random enemy encounters and you have items and you select from a menu of different actions you can do when you're in a battle or whatever. It's fighting based. You gain experience, but you're also solving problems, talking to people in towns, making connections, learning things, figuring out social puzzles. So Earthbound came out in 1994, and you played it pretty close to that release date, right? Yeah, I rented it from Blockbuster Video. And eventually acquired your own copyright. Yes, which I bought through a mail-order subscription service back when you could like buy used games from catalogs. Did you complete the game when you rented it? No, I didn't. The thing is, is that... I rented it, a friend rented it, we were both super into it, and the, the KB Toys at our local mall 
had had one copy of it on its big oversized box warming the shelf for ages. And we've been really curious about it. Then we finally tried it out at Blockbuster and we're like, damn, we really like this. And he bought it. He bought the one copy that I knew of in town. So then I was playing his. And then another friend got hooked on it from us getting hooked on it. And then I, I think I ended up being the last person to get a hold of a copy of it. But I was living vicariously through them for a while. But Earthbound is your favorite game of all time, right? That is correct, yeah. So, Kat, when I first met you and we first began to bond over our mutual love of video games, I at some point asked you what your favorite game was. And you told me that it was Earthbound. And I told you that my favorite game was Final Fantasy VI. And we both discovered that neither of us had played each other's favorite game. And we entered into a bargain of sorts. I would play Earthbound and you would play Final Fantasy VI. And mm-hmm. uh, how's that going, by the way? Um, uh, well, I, uh, uh, I'm still playing Final Fantasy VI. A lot of other things have come up. And a lot of other <laughs> games have been played in the meantime. And yeah. we, but you know, uh, it's but it's great. Final Fantasy VI is great. I I cannot believe that I missed out on it so long. <laughs> uh, it's it's. I knew it was a glaring hole in my video game continuum, uh, and now it is only proving, um, however many decades later, um, that yeah, it's it's still extremely impressive. But two Japanese RPGs that came out at roughly the same time, our two favorite games of all time, and now we're going to get to talk about Earthbound and discuss all the fun little strange nuances about it and what makes it so special to you and me getting to experience it much later in life, sort of coming to understand the headspace that you might have been in when you played it originally. And I'm very much looking forward to getting to have these discussions with you to really dive into this content and explore this. Earthbound has captured a lot of folks' imaginations and really inspired a lot of young people who have become known adults and creators today because there's a shocking amount of depth in it. And it is such a radiant piece of pop art. As a young person, I was really into the Beatles. And in any kind of surrealist art or avant-garde art that I saw, I didn't have like MTV growing up. So Anything that looked remotely like a music video was really appealing to me. And Earthbound is, with its irreverent humor and its strange sci-fi tropes and everything about it was like, hey, kid, are you a weirdo? Then you're going to really like this. And in turn, it connects to a lot of other pieces of pop culture. I have discovered existing pieces of pop culture that I now love through Earthbound because that's the kind of game it is. It is a piece of pop culture made from other pieces of pop culture in this beautiful postmodern collage. You mentioned the fandom that grew up around this game. What makes it so special and how did you come to be a part of it? I think what makes it special is that Earthbound tends to draw in a specific kind of person. Let's say quirky people. Thoughtful people, artsy weirdo types that connect with the game's overarching message about the power of love, acceptance, and togetherness in the face of the evil that humanity is capable of. Earthbound is really distinct, and so people who are fans of it tend to connect beyond just liking the same video game. As for me, I got the internet in 1997 when I was in seventh grade, and I was really into Earthbound, so naturally, I looked it up. That same year, 
Earthbound.net launched, which soon became Starman.net. And that was a constantly active community with news and fan art, all kinds of discussions, big coordinated efforts to bring the rest of the games to the States. And through that site and (laughs) the love of this oddball game that no one had heard of, Earthbound grew into the biggest cult fandom in video games. Now, on Starman.net, I was more of a lurker than an active participant, but I was always really aware of what was going on, and when there was a call to action, like doing things to try to get the games in the States, I responded in full force. Fast forward a significant amount of time later, though, I'm working as a pop culture journalist, and I have a podcast called Nerdy Show, which is a talk show about nerd media, way back when that was a novel concept. Around that same time, Starman.net had created an English-language translation for the third game in the Mother series after years of waiting on Nintendo to do it, and that was huge. Also, around that same time, the company Fangamer, which is now massive, emerged directly from Starman.net. They're a company dedicated to creating high-end fan works across a bunch of video game fandom. So I've been following these people a long time. I was a fan of the work that they were doing, and now I had a platform to talk about what they were up to. So I dropped them a line, I interviewed them on the show, and we became friends. We were all creators building our respective futures based on shared passions. Up until then, uh, I guess you could say I orbited the fandom, but connecting with them directly encouraged me to step up and be more present in it in whatever small part I have been. I've been interviewed for a couple Earthbound documentaries speaking about Mother's Place in pop art. I was the host of a retrospective and exploration of Fangamers' immersive Earthbound fan festival, Camp Fangamer, which happened two separate years in Tucson, Arizona. Throughout my career as a media journalist, I've written about the Mother series often. It's had a deeply profound influence on me as a creator and as a storyteller. And that influence shows up a lot in what I do. It might not always be obvious, but it's very present. Well, thank you so much for sharing your passion for the Mother series of games with me. I'm very excited about going on this adventure with you. Something that we should probably establish here in this episode is a timeline. The Mother series is only three games, but only one game was originally released in the U.S., And amidst all of it, there's been different releases, various cancellations, and it gets kind of complicated. And it's important to mention all of it because a huge part of these games being a cult sensation in the States is the American audience trying to get the Japanese games released here and the strange saga of them not coming out. So the first Mother game hits in 1989 in Japan. It's on the Famicom, what we know in the States as the NES. And Nintendo of America translates this game, Mother, into English and renames it Earthbound. However, even though it's totally done, Nintendo doesn't release it. Some magazines mention that it's coming out, but when it doesn't come out, it's entirely forgotten. It's lost to history that there was a game called Earthbound. But then 1994 rolls around, and Mother 2 comes out in Japan, and the next year, it's translated... And it does come out in the States, again, as Earthbound. So this is the first Earthbound game that's actually come out. No one knows the other one exists. 
And Mother 2, aka Earthbound, the second game, is on the Super Nintendo in America. It's not a big seller, but the fans who discover it are super passionate about it. And eventually they realize, oh, there was a game before this. And then a ROM copy of Nintendo of America's translation of the first game leaks out on the internet. It's dubbed Earthbound Zero, and it kind of blows people's minds. A lot of people didn't believe it was real, because how is it possible that a game would be translated entirely and not released? (laughs) That sort of thing doesn't really happen. But you played Earthbound Zero, right? Yes. I admit, Nintendo of America, I admit I downloaded the illegal ROM when I was a child, and I played it. (laughs) But uh, fast forward to 2015, and Earthbound Zero gets released as Earthbound Beginnings on the virtual console on the Wii U. So it's out there, and you can play the first two Earthbound games in English in the States or any other English-speaking countries on the Nintendo Switch right now. The Nintendo Switch Online, if, you're, if you subscribe to that, you can get access to their like catalog of NES games and their catalog of Super Nintendo games, and both the first two Mother games are there. Earthbound Beginnings, and Earthbound. I played Earthbound because you loaned me your Super NES Mini. Yeah. We live in a golden age where it is possible to get a hold of, but it has been up until recently, like, you know, kind of spotty to get a hold of. Like, when Earthbound was released on the virtual console and stuff, that was shocking because for the longest time, it seemed like Nintendo of America, in spite of knowing full well that there was a massive cult following for these games, just didn't care, didn't want to put it out, didn't even want to get a cheap buck. But then there were also concerns about legal issues because it became more and more public knowledge that the score to Earthbound actually samples existing music, which is something that had never happened in a video game before. Fortunately, I guess the Legal Eagles decided that the sampling was above board, not that it had been approved, but that it was short enough and remixed enough that it does actually constitute as an original work, so everything's fine. I'm not a lawyer, I don't know, and I definitely don't speak for Nintendo of America. Still, it's not really a surprise that they were hesitant to re-release those games. But they did, and they were bestsellers when they were things that you could buy independently on the virtual consoles. And now you just subscribe to Nintendo Switch Online, and you just get them. But the thing is about the third game, Mother 3, it was originally announced in 1996 as Earthbound 64, a game that was so big, you were going to need an expansion to the Nintendo 64 to play it, one that didn't actually end up coming out in the States, and when it did come out in Japan, it was a flop. It was called the 64DD, a disk drive expansion. And the game was canceled in uh, 2000, which is the year before the GameCube came out, the system that immediately followed the Nintendo 64. And with it, Mother 3 died. But the thing is, is that because Earthbound had come out in the States, American magazines were covering Earthbound 64 as a game that was coming out. So at the time, especially with the hype of Smash Brothers and Ness being a character in Smash Brothers, all us Earthbound fans on the internet were like, oh my god, there's gonna be an Earthbound game on the Nintendo 64. Can you believe it? This is so crazy. And like, everyone's talking about it. And when that didn't happen, a bunch of children on an internet fan community, which I was a part of, tangentially at least, got together and raised a ruckus and started calling Nintendo of America and, st- <laughs> and started sending letters and started active, dedicated campaigns to antagonize this company into releasing this game to prove that there was an audience for it. Smash! <laughs> yeah. So in Japan, 
a compilation game for the Game Boy Advance called Mother 1 Plus 2 was released in 2003. What was interesting about that is that Mother 1 Plus 2, the version of the first game on there, is a Japanese language version of the American translation. There are graphical changes that were made for American audiences that are ported over to the Japanese version of that game, and the run function, which was not in the original Japanese version, is in that game. It's really weird. I don't know why. Wait, so my my, my brain is getting kind of bent around here now, around this. So I, I'm sh- and I'm sure I'm confusing everybody else. I, I'm I'm sorry, folks. Uh, there are, there are, there are <laughs> diagrams. Uh, we're we're oh gosh. <laughs> Hey, I'm going to try to keep okay. this as concise as possible. This is the info dump. The release schedule of this game just mimics how wild the games are themselves. Well, and the fan community that's tied and twisted around it. So the important part here is, dear listener, who wants to get a handle on these games, if all this is confusing you, don't worry. We're just going to be talking about the stories, more or less, going forward. We're just going to be talking about the stories. This is where we're talking about the, like weird social politics and business politics of, of these games coming out at all. But it's part of what the scarcity, the demand, and all of this is part of what galvanized the most active fan community for a cult video game that there's ever been. Before you can build a pizza, you got to make the dough. So that's what we're doing. Exactly. So in 2003, when Mother 1 Plus 2 came out in the Game Boy Advance in Japan, they said, and we're working on Mother 3. And eventually, in 2006, Mother 3 came out on the Game Boy Advance. Everyone was asking, okay, now, so you're going to bring it to the States, right? And they didn't. And they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't, and they didn't. And so eventually, the game was translated by a dedicated fan community. The fan community steps up again. And all these stories are so immersive and complicated and interesting. I'm not qualified to tell them, and fortunately, I don't have to. Because those two documentaries that I'm interviewed in, well... They're about both of these things. The first one's called Mother to Earth, that's T-O, which is about how the first game was translated in the States, but then not released, and then leaked out to the internet, which is something that had never happened before, and the weird saga of how that happened, who translated it, how it leaked out to the internet, and all the strange world of trading bootleg video game cartridges and stuff, and It might sound a little bit insider baseball, but it is a deeply fascinating documentary that's really well done. You can check out more about that at mother2earth.com. Again, that's T-O. And then the other documentary is called Earthbound USA. It's coming out later this year. It's a film by Jazzy Benson, made in-house by Fangamer. Essentially, it's the story of this incredible fan community that's come together to create friendships and families and lifelong partnerships and businesses, incredible multimedia convention experiences, and basically what the impact of Earthbound is, and how the games not being released in the States were a part of that impact. How these teenagers from all over America got together and became a family through this weird circumstance with this incredibly strange game series at the epicenter of it. That is really a heartwarming tale. New episodes of Mother She Wrote release every other week on Mondays, or Mom Days if you like a mnemonic device. Jess and I are playing the games in segments, and each episode opens with a short, immersive audio drama exploring the story from the perspective of the characters to pull you into the adventure, even if you've never played the games before. And then, Jess and I discuss all the fascinating details in the game and behind the scenes. I'm going to be recording my play sessions and posting them to YouTube. So if you want to follow along, you're welcome to come do that. Jess, I'm so excited (laughs) to share this with you. 
It was really a lot of fun to play Earthbound and get to share the wild and zany things that were happening in real time. And I'm so looking forward to getting to dive into that again. Until then, I'm Kat. I'm Jess. And that's all she wrote. Mother She Wrote is made possible thanks to the generous support of our Patreon producers, Becky Scott Fairley, Bob Hogan, CB, Joe Tank Rissiardelli, Josh King, McDribble Deluxe, Mjolnir MK86, Patrick Webster, Sean Hutchinson, Sean T. Red, and our Super Deluxe Executive Patreon producers, Big Bad Shadow Man, Marcus Larson, and Jamieson Malone. You can join the team at patreon.com forward slash omniverse media. And if you think that Mother She Wrote is simply smashing, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. And be sure to subscribe via your favorite podcast player. This series is recorded and produced in Orlando, Florida, and Lovell, Kentucky, on lands stolen from their indigenous people. The Tamuqua and Seminole, and Shawnee, Cherokee, Osage, Seneca Iroquois, Miami, Hopewell, and Adena. Acknowledgement of the first peoples of these lands and the lasting repercussions of colonization is just the beginning of the restorative work that is necessary. Through awareness, we can prompt allyship, action, and ultimately, decolonization. For links to aid indigenous efforts and to learn more about the First Nations of the land where you live, visit omniverse.media slash landback. Mother She Wrote is written, produced, and performed by me, Jessica Mudd. And me, Kat Blackard. Our original score is composed and performed by Jess, and this episode features the voice of Doug Banks as himself. Special thanks to Kinesu for his invaluable work translating the Mother Encyclopedia. Find a link to his translation, other media we've referenced, and full episode transcripts at MotherSheWrote.Earth. Mother She Wrote is not affiliated with Nintendo, Shigesato Itoi, or any rights holders of the Mother and Earthbound intellectual properties. Please play the game's official Nintendo releases. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Dum Dums and Dice would like to welcome you to the grim darkness of the 41st millennium in the Valentine Heresy, an actual play podcast set in the Genesis adaptation of Warhammer 40,000's Dark Heresy RPG. Newly promoted Inquisitor Lucius Valentine has received visions of the death of the immortal God Emperor. With few options before him, he teams up with hive-bred criminal siblings Lyric and Alto. Together, they must defeat a cabal of shadowy foes to save the Emperor and the Imperium. Can this trio of unlikely heroes survive in a galaxy where there is only war? The Emperor is going to die in a year. My job is to make sure the Emperor doesn't die. Because if the Emperor dies, the Astronomicon goes out. And the only thing keeping the Imperium alive is the fact that we have a very large navy and a very large army and space marines, and they shoot everyone. It's delightful. Praise the Emperor. Thanks for that. But if the Astronomicon goes out, we have no navy, we have no ability to defend ourselves, and the Xenos and Chaos will overrun us instantly because there will be no defense. So every planet will turn out like Galen's glory? And that would be the best case scenario. Which is why we need to keep the emperor on his throne. I spit in my palm and put my hand out for a handshake.
Am I supposed to do something in return? Is this, I'm sorry, I just don't know what this is. Alto's like, yeah, like this. He spits in his hand and puts it out towards you as well. Then I spit in both palms and shake their hands separately. <laughs> we have an inquisitorial band. Warhammer 40,000, the Valentine Heresy. Available now. <laughs>